Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And today we have Ariel Charnas, founder of Something Navy. I'm sure that a lot of you guys are already following her on Instagram. She's a mom of two. Today we're going to talk about motherhood. We're going to talk about some, you know, there's there are some tears on this podcast. There is a lot of laughing. Um, there's some good wisdom. Well, I think in that way, this is kind of the perfect representation of what we always hoped Mom Brain would get to be, which is real, honest, raw, candid conversations with mom you either know and love or or should know and love and um, about how they deal with everything that life throws at us. And uh, we'll talk to you after the interview. But now here is Ariel Charnas. Mom I'm Ariel Charnas, uh, the founder of Something Navy and a mother of two. I have so many questions to ask you about what makes you tick because you really have launched an amazing brand. Thank you. And it's really come about from, it seems, a very organic place of who you are. So much of it is surrounding your family. You show, you're, you're just like Daphne and me where we really show behind the scenes of everything. So go. How'd you do it? <laughs> go. Uh, this is how we go. Go. Tell us everything. So, I mean, yeah, like I feel like whenever I share this story, people expect like this whole um, thought out process that happened and it it nothing really happened. Um, I just I just organically started documenting my life and my family and everything that I was doing and people just caught on to it. Um, and I try not to really think about who's watching or how many people are following me or who, who's, you know, um, dissecting my photos and videos every single day because I don't think that I would be able to do what I do if I were to think about that. And um, I sort of just have been, I don't know, sharing every little moment behind the scenes, personal things that um, make me, you know, vulnerable. But at the same time, I feel like that's what's connecting me to my audience. Um, Everything's very real, unedited. Um, I don't think twice before I post anything, which sometimes is not the best thing. But um, I I honestly just think that my family and friends are watching. And I think that's what has made it grown into what it is today um, on my personal account. But in the last, well, I'll start from the beginning. So I started it for all the wrong reasons. I started it for a guy. Um, I was dating someone and he wanted me to find my passion. I was young. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I was trying all these different things to impress him. Um, and somehow my sister was like, you love putting looks together, start posting them on a website. Um, it's called Blogspot. So I downloaded it for like $20 and I started posting photos. Whoever would take my picture, like I just asked anyone to just take a photo so I could post my outfits. Um, and I was doing that on the side of like working, I think it was, I don't remember what year, 2009, um, at Theory in retail and it was just a hobby. And then six months in, so I was trying to impress him. Mm-hmm. He broke up with me. Um, he never came back, but I fell in love with just sharing my looks with everyone and um, interacting with women from all over the world. And then six months later, this woman started an agency that repped uh, influencers. And I was able to quit retail and do this as a full-time job. And then uh, in 2017, 
Nordstrom approached me to create a capsule collection in-house with one of their brands. Um, I think uh, it was called Treasure and Bond, and it sold out within the first 24 hours. So after that, they came back and asked for me to launch a standalone brand, Something Navy, and that sold out too. Um, We actually crashed the website three times, which was pretty surreal. And um, after a year and a half of doing that, I had the option to either continue working with a retailer or bringing it in-house, and I chose to bring it in-house. So I brought in a CEO. We closed fundraising in August, and we went from a team of three to 25. So that's where we are now. We're launching in April um, our store and our online website, so direct-to-consumer shopping online and also the media aspect of it. so we have a lot going on, uh, very overwhelmed, but in the best way possible and sharing all of that with my followers. Was that scary at all? I mean, as a, you know, it, I I love and I think it's incredible because I do think it's so, it speaks so much to what people find so warm and wonderful about you is the authenticity that you don't yeah. have to, like you're not filtering everything, that you're right. not constantly worried what will be the... What will what would random people think of this? It's right. what what will my family and friends right. think of this? Exactly. Um, but but do you ever get scared when you launch a new? I mean, look, I, 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 terrified. You know, Are I mean, you it's kidding? A lot. a lot of people investing in you yeah. as well. That's well, a lot of now can be stressful for the. I mean, for April, I mean, I'm terrified. There's just it's all of it is very. I mean, it's not completely unknown just because I. I did have this partnership with Nordstrom, so I've been able to collect a lot of data. And But they were producing the line for you, and yes. now you'll produce it by yourself. Now we're producing everything wow. in-house. So oh um, that information, though, that I got from Nordstrom allowed us to create a line that's super curated. Um, I use all of the feedback from my followers. It's a two-way conversation. They help me design. Um, I pull on Insta stories almost every single day about the collection. So I really? have, like, basically the exact answers that I need to, you know, create a line that's inevitably going to, I mean, I hope sell out because it's exactly what they're asking for. Um, And also with sizing, I mean, I know exactly what I was supposed to order for inventory because of what we did at Nordstrom and what, Mm -hmm. you know, we learned from affiliates. So it's pretty precise, which is unusual, but I think that's what differentiates us from a million other brands. There's a ton of style influencers out there, like yeah, a ton, a ton. Course, what makes yeah. you different? Other than share who you are, your essence, yeah. your children, you know, how you are with them. I mean, you're obviously a really great hands-on mom. But what what about your style? Going back to the beginning about how you put looks together, because I literally, I look at them and I'm like, I want to wear that too. <laughs> but what's your thought process when you're putting one together? And you don't just have like a one look of the day. You no. like will be like, here's 20 different outfits. Yeah, I mean, so what I think what makes me different from another influencer is I'm sharing a, my everyday life, not traveling around the world and taking beautiful photos mm-hmm. and going to fashion weeks. I mean, I do go to New York Fashion Week, but I'm sharing um, my life as, well, now 30s, but in my 30s. Do you just uh, turn 30? 32. No. Oh. Two years ago. She closed her eyes really tightly and she's like, Daphne, why did you just say that? No, everyone knows. It's okay. Um, no, so this. I I share, you know, I've shared my journey from starting the blog, um, my family life, falling in love, getting married, um, getting pregnant, my my delivery, my um, highs and lows of being a mother, but also balancing my career. And I'm, I know a lot of other influencers do that, but I think that 
what differentiates me is that I'm not looking to be an it girl in the fashion world. I'm just looking to be a successful entrepreneur um, while balancing motherhood. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like makes me a little different than everyone else. Um, My content is super unedited. There's no thought process behind my backdrops. There's no um, serious thought process behind putting my outfits together. I honestly dress based on my mood. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, do I feel like fancy today? Am I going to be an Upper East Side mom or am I going to be, you know, a cool like Lower East Side? You know, it's very much like a mood. Um, And because I'm a Gemini. Yes, exactly. It's dress up. Um, It changes constantly. So, um, I mean, I think everyone is different because their styles are completely different. I mean, I've never copy anyone else. I'm very much based off of how I feel. So, um, yeah, I think that's what differentiates me. For moms, everywhere who are constantly trying to not look like we didn't make any effort at all, but don't have a ton of time. Is there like a process that you've, maybe even when you were easy go-to? Yeah, like an easy go-to. I mean, I I ask people this question all the time because I'm fascinated by people who always look really well put together. And some of them have like Sunday nights, I put all my outfits together, which seems- Is this in person or on Instagram? Uh, this is in person. Okay. Which is weird. I know. Yeah. I agree. I was like, really? Tell yeah. me the real answer. Um, yeah. But no, these people think that, that, and some of them are just really organized and and methodical in life. And I, I, I wish Thank I you. was that person. So much like, <laughs> can't you tell? <laughs> I really, I would love to be that person. I say that, but I don't make any changes to actually make those changes. So I don't know. One day. Um, it's on the to-do list. One day. One day. Um, but I do, I mean, I, I'm just curious if there's a, if like, do you refresh your wardrobe regularly? Do you give away things you have? worn in six months. Like, is there a process that actually helps you edit so your brain space functions better? There's no process. It's a mood thing. So like one day I'll be like, okay, I'm getting rid of half of my wardrobe because I don't like anything in my closet, Mm -hmm. which... Oh, you have those moments too? Oh my God. Yes. I'm completely normal. I mean, I, yeah, I have my assistant or some of the girls in the office, my nanny or my housekeeper. I give everything, all of my stuff to them. Um, And it goes, I I go through phases, um, but... For my like what I would tell moms like as a go to if you don't have time to shower or wash your hair or look put together like my favorite thing to do is put on a lip Mm -hmm. lip color um, throw your hair into a ponytail and jeans and a sweater are like an easy like you can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But jewelry also I think is an important thing. Jewelry is my wardrobe weapon. I love it. It completes the outfit. I'm bad with the whole jewelry thing. What are you talking no, about? No, I wear the same ju- jewelry. You, but that's okay. Look at you. You're no, so shiny. Well, no, I'm, I'm shiny. But like, like for example, my kids, they, they ripped off the necklace that I usually wear. So I have to get it fixed. And so then I put this on that has my kids' birthstones that Alec gave to me. It's like very like colorful. And then I like, I'm like, oh, I need to take it off at some point. And no, I but I like that. And then my earrings, I've just been, I could wear like whatever earrings I've worn for the past like three weeks before. Like I have some reason to change them because I'm so tired. But I don't think there's anything like at least you have jewelry on you I look do ha- put together I do have jewelry on. I just and like my this bracelet do you sleep Alec in gave it me, yes Ali gave me this bracelet in the summer for our anniversary and I love it and I don't know how to take it off so I, <laughs> take it off. I mean literally that's like my life is like the only thing I'm good at taking off are my rings yeah me too and I take them off to wash my face and then I put them on in the morning I'm like I've done something yeah it's a big step yeah see putting step. jewelry it's, is it's a big about, step for a mother setting too much bound, setting not boundaries setting the bar yeah. at a reasonable level. <laughs> so, so going back, because I think you know, I think a lot of moms who listen to the to listen to Mom Brain 
on the one hand, it's really fun to get to hear people who you love and you love so much about them, hear their perspective on parenting and on, mm-hmm. on a motherhood. Um, because it's so cool to see that we are all living so many of right. the same moments. Right. And I'm really curious because you, you know, you started when you were a kid, you know, mm-hmm. well before marriage, well before yeah. kids were even a, a, you know, a dream. Um, what was the transition into like, and you said, you know, you share real time, which I'm also really curious about because especially when you share, and we both, you know, shared hard moments and and it's it's interesting to me to share real time hard moments because you don't really know, right. you're still so vulnerable right. and you don't really know right. how your own response is going to be. And, and then you don't want the unsolicited advice and just hearing from people right. that are, yeah. Well, and it's hard to know what your feeling is if you're still processing and then everyone good right. and bad right. is trying Very to true. help you, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm just, I'm just really curious how that transition operated for you from sharing the part of your life when it was just you to bringing your husband in and then bringing your girls in. Like, what was that like? was really natural and organic. I mean, I did it. My husband loves what I do. Um, In the beginning, he was very confused. He was like, why (laughs) are you posting yourself on the internet? Um, But then when he really started to learn and understand the business behind it, he became obsessed. Um, He was actually the person that um, met with my now CEO with me several times and Mm -hmm. then was like, he's amazing. And I think he's so smart. Like, I want you to spend more time with him. And um, I think, to be honest, he really is a big part of my business now, but that wasn't right away when I first met him with social media. He was a little um, standoffish with it, but then he became like, he took over and it's who my followers really want to see now. Um, And he's totally okay with that. He actually started a company that's real estate on mixed with social media. Hmm. So He's trying to sort of change the real estate game by evolving with what the world is today, which I think is amazing. And then with kids, I mean, I was nervous. I was nervous that, you know, a big portion of my followers are under 20. Yeah. Um, so I was nervous that when I got pregnant, I would lose that that chunk of people. Um, they're actually my biggest like they're the most obsessed with my kids and yeah. my family, which I'm actually really surprised about. But like the 15 year old and her 50 year old mother are the ones that come to my meet and greet. Like they're, it's like what they bond over is something Navy and, mm-hmm. and watching the kids and, and sending DMS back and forth of videos of the girls doing something funny. So it, it actually worked out really nicely. Um, I think motherhood was probably the toughest just because I didn't know how much I wanted to share. Um, I was very lucky that I didn't have tough pregnancies. Um, I got pregnant fairly quickly with both of them. But my second delivery was really tough for me. Um, I had, well, I mean, it's, I feel, you know what it is? I feel so guilty talking about it because compared to what other people have gone through, it sounds let me, so. Let nothing. me tell you something. Yeah, it's all. It's okay for every yeah. part of it to be hard. People I know. will say to me all the time, they're like, "Oh, I had a miscarriage, but it was just at five weeks." I'm like, "That doesn't matter. A it's a miscarriage." So I know. Don't, don't feel on here. There's I like know. no judgments. And yeah. If it's if it was hard for you, you're allowed to have it be hard, so, and it doesn't matter what anybody. Else I appreciate is. that. So I mean, I've shared what I went through after uh, my delivery, and I had so many people attack me because they were like, "It's." ridiculous like this you're trying to I don't know seek like it was just not advice any or comments that I wanted to hear but at the same time the amount of messages that I got from women who went through the same thing just made me feel um 
glad, just glad that I shared it because it, it helps some people. Um, so what happened was my, my first was a natural delivery. Um, and so I expected that with my second, you know, I was going to have, you only know, you know, exactly. And, um, I was going to deliver her and push her out and it was going to be the same experience. Um, and I ended up going into labor two weeks early and having an emergency C-section, um, which was fine. My C-section went completely fine. But afterwards, I just wasn't myself. Um, I would say, honestly, up until today, like I still am, I'm complete, like so much better, but I'm, it changed me. It changed me as a person. Um, I felt really guilty that I didn't push her out and I didn't deliver the natural way. Um, I felt like my doctor lied to me. Um, because she wanted to just get the surgery done, you know, on the night that she was off. Uh. Um, I kept going back in and, and meeting with her just to like rehear the story to make sure that it was so necessary to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was nervous like that my baby wasn't going to be the same as my first because of this delivery. Um, and then I just I basically made myself sick. Like I was having severe anxiety that was just giving me horrible symptoms and um, seeking like reassurance for my health. It was just, it took over. Um, and I shared that. I shared that story with my followers and what I had been going through. Cause I, the anxiety was so bad that it went into like a depression and it was a really scary time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I shared it, you know, I got two ends of the spectrum. So some people were like, thank you so much for sharing this. Like I too went through a C-section and I haven't been the same and I don't know what's wrong with me. And then some people were like, go get F out, yourself. Out, yeah. Out, right, like basically. you had a healthy How baby. How do you think, you know, you're saying that you're still struggling with it now. What do you, what do you think you need to do to release yourself from, yeah. from that guilt? Um, I think it's, you know, it's something that I've sort of accepted, you know, it didn't go the way that I had planned, but I went into CBT therapy, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, where they give you tools to sort of get yourself out of that the you know, loop because yeah. the loop is it's what vicious it's a, cycle it is it's and it feeds itself so I um I you know I carry a lot of the tools that she gave me and while you know I don't think I'll ever not have anxiety um I've learned like ways to cool. not spiral do, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean absolutely um parenting so it, though is yeah. interesting that way though I think because I think it's it sounds all of parenting is an exercise in giving yeah. up control. And yeah. yet we still feel guilty somehow when, and it, it, it could be in any number of areas. Um, but I, I think it, I think I'm really curious to hear how you, if there are any processes that you can share about how to break that cycle. Cause I think we, it's so you lit, first of all, part yeah. of your day is groundhog day. So you're being confronted with the same right. things right. that made every day, but yeah. exactly that like triggered you in the first place. You get them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also you feel like, we're we're all you know right. parenting is the thing we care about we care we care about the most. I'm sorry, I'm getting really yeah. emotional because I do feel like I feel like moms hide a lot of the anxiety and the yeah. stress that we all deal with, and um, and it does make me worry that we crush it underneath, and then that that creates real sickness. Right. That creates that's what I was doing. By the way, it. absolutely, that's what I was doing, and I think that um, for me, it became like um, it became a like a health anxiety, and I just was so. Um, nervous that from this surgery, it changed my body and mm-hmm. I was not going to 
I was going to be taken away from my kids. It it took over. It still does. I mean, I still have it. Well, it's, tra- it's traumatic. Even if you have a plan C-section, you're yeah. getting cut open. And and it's out of your, you're out, of, out control. of control. You know, yeah. like with pushing, like you can push and yeah. you can stop when you need to. And and with, with the C-section, I remember her coming in. I was there without, I mean, it was my mom's 60th birthday party in Brooklyn mm-hmm. that night. We were getting ready oh and gosh. I was having like weird contractions, but they were different than my first. So I didn't know what was wrong. So I called the doctor and she was like, just go in, you know, you're two weeks before your due date. Um, and the baby was lying transverse. So I just want to make sure that we're on top of it. Right. God forbid anything happens. In, if she loaded. goes to la- you know, if you go into labor. So I went to the hospital thinking like they were going to check me out and leave, which they kind of were. I mean, we went in They're like, you're having small contractions. Um, they're like, you're not dilated, but your cervix is soft. So I think that you'll be okay. Like maybe like you can go back home. And five minutes later, she came back in and was like, actually, your doctor lives like a couple blocks away. She just wants to come check you out. So that's what threw me off because I was like, I'm not dilating. Right. And I'm having like small Braxton Hicks contractions. So like, why is she coming in? Like, right. did she have a free Saturday night? Like, that's where my mind kept going. Um, and when she got there, she came in. She's like, yeah. She's like looking at the paper. She's like, you're having contractions, but they're really small and like erratic. I don't know. And then she put her hand up and she was like, OK, you're dilating. We're going to have to go into the operating room. So I was like, what? What, what changed? I don't even have yeah. my diaper back. Like, I have nothing <laughs> no, here. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I just it's happening fast because you weren't dilating before. So we need to go in. She took me away from my husband. Like, I didn't know what was I felt like. The, amount, the emotions that I felt in that moment were so like all over the place because I was so excited because at that point, you're like, just get this baby out of me. Mm-hmm. You're nine months in. You're like, I'm ready to like be done. But then at the same time, you're like, but wait, I'm going into surgery. Like I'm going into an operating room. Like I don't know what's about to happen. Right. Had you ever had surgery before? Never. I mean, my tonsils. Like, right. I was like 19. I don't remember that. But th- they took me right away. And like they don't let your husband in when they do the... um. Epidural. The epidural. And so I'm alone with, and I love my doctor, so I was okay, but I was alone with her and they laid me down and put this, cur- like it just, everything was happening so fast and I didn't have any control. And I was like, please don't start until my husband gets in. She's like, he's changing. He'll be in in five minutes. I'm like, okay, can you just wait? Can you just wait? And then he came in and I was like, okay, like you could start now. And she's like, we're already like in Ariel. And I was like, what? Like, what is it? Like you, I didn't feel anything. And Mm. I was so ill. I was so sick from it. And I remember when the baby came out, I couldn't even hold her. Yeah. Like I couldn't hold her. I could cry just talking about it. Like that made me so sick to my stomach. You know, like that was, and every time I talk about it, I cry. But I have a healthy baby and she's the she's, best child she's, ever. By the way, if you guys haven't seen her daughter, Esme, she's, I mean, Ruby she's and so Esme sweet. are both delicious, but like Esme's at that like yeah. delicious yeah. age. Wait, when is she born? What month? She was born in June. In June. So Romeo is um, is May. Oh, so they're like a month different. Yeah, no, what the time. age is like. This age everything they do. is this my is, favorite. By the way, this is the age where I always then get pregnant and have yeah. another one because you're like this I know. is so nice it's... and then they turn two yeah <laughs> and <then> exactly like... <laughs> I like you almost like black it all out and you're like oh my god I missed that baby stage but then, and then... I don't know I mean I have thank you so much <laughs> um <laughs> yeah like at this point I'm like ready to keep to go for more even when I t- like talk about this and I'm crying because of the, the experience yeah. I still want to do it again it's like of course what is wrong with me I'm like mentally like <laughs> I think with one of the things you know just going going into sort of like when we get into these these yeah. traumas, you know, I've had different traumas in my life, um, and I got very much um, 
focused on on something called somatic experiencing, which sounds a little bit similar to what, mm-hmm. what you're doing. But it's basically about realizing when you're starting to spiral, when you're dissociating, when yeah. you're in a different place, and then being able to pull yourself back into right. the present and remind yourself, but okay, but that's not happening right now right. because it's all this body. I mean, when we make ourselves physically sick from emotion, you know, yeah. some of it can be a release, like right. crying. Right. And that's a really wonderful thing. And then some of us make some we of us. We cry all us, the time on this podcast. <laughs> just so I you figure know. That's why I was like tears. weeping all, all the time. time. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, there's something about being able to pull yourself back into your feeling and just reminding yourself, yeah. hey, I'm here. Yeah. And everything is okay right now and being able to deal with it, but understanding that it was a different time. Because the the definition of trauma that I like is too much too soon. Right. And so it's kind of like that idea that you have a tube and you're trying to stick this ball that's too big down the tube. It's overwhelming. And it can be, you know, different for for different phases in your life. Like if I told my kids, brush your teeth, get your pajamas on, go to bed, I'm leaving right now. That would be a traumatic experience. Whether but if I said it to you, you'd be like, Why are you in my house? You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like just being able to realize what am I prepared for? And then in a situation where it's an emergency C section, there's no way you can be prepared for that because that was not the plan. Right. This was not the plan. And and it was all thrown out. You. And you're doing yeah. this to my body and you're taking away my sensation. And yes, and you know, that you're doing this because you're afraid for my baby. But and thank God my baby's okay. But it was still a traumatic experience. No matter how much you re- you rationalize it, your body experienced And I trauma. just thought it was so crazy that like when I would go to the doctor to talk about it, like it was so insane that like the conversation to her was insane. Like there was no conversation about well, you're probably so hormonal right now and you're going through a lot of it. It was just like, oh, this has nothing to do with the C-section. Like, I think that, like, maybe you should go see a therapist. Like, it was very, like, doctors just don't, like, They, they stop when the They're, baby's born. Exactly. And like, then, there was and you no, feel like, like I was like, but yeah. what about, yes. like, I'm like, you cut me open and I'm I'm not the same. Yes. Like, what's wrong with me? I would call her, like, six months in and I was like, I'm having, like, really bad, like, stomach issues. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, do you think this has anything to do with the C-section? She's like, no, but you should probably go see a gastro. And I was like, okay. And I went to the gastro. I went to a million doctors. and Because you're looking for answers. Yeah, I'm looking for you, an answer. Yeah. And the answer is I am I have hormonal, I have serious anxiety from what happened. And um, it was a vicious cycle. I kept thinking about the stomach issues and I kept thinking like there's something really serious going on in my stomach. They like, they cut something or it wasn't healed properly. And I ended up after 10 months like fighting myself for to get a colonoscopy because I really didn't want to at this age. I ended up going and doing it, mm-hmm. um, even though the doctor was like, I don't think it's necessary, but like, let's just rule everything out. When I came out, they were like, there's nothing wrong with your stomach. It's like perfect. Um, and he was like, what you have is motherhood IBS. And it's caused by being anxious and and a mother, yeah. like a busy mom. And he's like, and there's, you know, I can give you some medication to like help, but like, I don't think that you need it. And ever since I had that colonoscopy, I haven't had a stomach issue since. Well, because you feel acknowledged like you're not crazy. But it was almost like a yeah. control. Like I was looking to have control over something that I didn't have control over. And then once I realized that it was spiraling from anxiety, I now am aware that I'm doing this to myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the next time like a symptom comes up, I, I spiral for a minute and then I go back to, you know, understanding that this is just my mind like trying to latch on to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and I feel better. It's right. like a really it's a crazy. It's crazy. It was your process that you had to yeah. go through in order to to find thousand percent. You know what's what's interesting, and tell me if I'm going too far for either one of you guys. But um, there's something that I talk a lot about with my my husband of sort of the nature of being a public figure. 
Um, and whether, by the way, for you guys listening, whether that's you have 100 followers, that's that's a lot. Whether you have 50 followers, that's a lot of people. Whether, you know, you have a really big following like Ariel has. But, um, but it's you can't help but feel that your entire life is about being judged, either good or bad. And even if it is, a re- I mean, I love my social media. It's been an extremely rewarding place to share and laugh and learn. And, and it's absolutely amazing. But there is another element of it is that we're, we're animals, you know? And I, I, I tell my husband that when we go to the LA Zoo that you'll see these animals that are in these cages and they're circling and they're circling and everybody's looking at them. And you think, is that sometimes a little bit like us, that there's, you just feel a little bit enclosed sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's not an all the time thing, but I think it is something that can breed anxiety. A I know in myself, percent. as much as I think I'm a really confident, like this is who I am, you know, kind of person. I I do feel sometimes, you know, like, oh God, how are they going to think about me? And you you can't help. Right. I mean, I think that, and, and, well, social media has a lot of, for me, negative aspects, but I, I actually like That part doesn't really bother me. It's more um, I like sharing with like my followers. I think that it actually almost feels like a release for me. Um, I try not to read the DMs afterwards because I could potentially go crazy if I did. Um, But for the most part, I feel like the toughest part for me with social media is and it's not even just social media. It's just life. I have a very hard time making friends, a very hard time making mom friends. Um, and I'm, I, I'm looking for it. I'm like, I, I really don't have, maybe it's because I don't have a lot of time, but right. I don't have anyone that I can actually like go out with. I have two friends, but one of them moved to Miami, my best friend in the world. Um, she was my, like, I mean, she is still, we talk on the phone all the time, but there's something really special about like as a mother to get out of your house after you put the kids to sleep and drink and drink wine and talk about <laughs> it's true but like yes, there's something girl. very special about that but and with like your you special people with, with your, your special, special people, people because you want to relax you don't be couching exactly. yourself but or like, explaining someone, everything like, and you both have like large followings like it's and I'm, and maybe you guys have friends from before but like for me as a mother i i just always feel like someone's trying to use me for something and they and they, i'm always disappointed in the end so when i do you know become friends with someone there's always an angle and it, it kills me because it makes me super guarded. I get very, you know, nervous about being, you know, out there and, and friendly and, and talking about personal things like motherhood and things that I'm, you know, anxious about because I, I don't know. I just feel like I've been hurt a lot by by people since I've developed okay. this, you know, following. And um, I feel like over the last couple of months, maybe a year that I really haven't had an outlet for myself, aside from social media, obviously, which sometimes I feel weird sharing because I know people who are in my bubble that I'm not friends with that just want to know. And right. I don't lo- I don't like that part. It's a weird, you it's know, a weird dynamic because in so many ways, it's so amazing and you can yeah. help so many people and you can help that yourself. I don't know. But I think it makes me really shy in person. Yeah. Me too. Like I'm, I'll go there and I'll be like, uh, well, what are they thinking? Well, do they right. know that you go to, you go to the school, to like drop off at school. And you're because like, oh, you get so used and, to it. You know, exactly. Exactly. How much do they, how, what do they think about me even before I'm here? But isn't that scary? It's like hurting us in real life, social media. But at well, the same time. Well, that's what's fascinating. It's, yeah. It's, but it's, but I totally hear what you're saying also because it's, 
it's one thing it's one it's great to have the conversation that we get to have with uh, with with social but it's also the people that are your core inner group yeah. that's who feeds you that's who fills you up that's who you get to like yeah i mean like i have sisters which is the best thing in the entire say, world but they don't have babies have yet so uh, it's like me neither my i have two younger sisters and neither <sighs> have babies i mean well, so i'm so excited for when they do me too i want to be an aunt i'm gonna Come be like on. now you understand <laughs> but it's it's tough you know because yeah. they have been my my people my whole life and they still obviously are but for this specific thing which is something I really need it's really hard it's really really hard for me well also you want someone who um it's great to have people who've known you from forever because they they know you at your core right but it's also in this phase of life people are just um changing no, but it, it, they're changing. But it's also that you again, like I said, we're all going through we're all going through parenting real time. Every day is something new. Every right. day. I can't even tell you the number of questions I've been getting. My oldest is five. She'll be six in February. And the questions I get that just floor me, like put me on my ass. I have no idea how to answer <laughs> daily. Like what? And, oh, my God. All the things I, they're they're like, well, there's always a why. Why to everything? Why. Well, my my father in law passed away and she was asking about oh, yeah, death and tough. heaven. And um, will I go there? first will I be there with her how you know, you, where how do you answer it, oh. I mean there's it go I, I, but this is my this is a perfect example with with your friends you will have a conversation with this where whatever you're thi- you're not fully prepared to answer and you don't right. know and you're thinking out right. loud and they'll give you advice that you want to take or that at least you'll take into account because you know they love they've you been and, through it and, and they've been can, through yeah. it and they trust you and they're going through it too and their their kids are going through something right. similar or they were there or they're right. coming there and I think that's what really trips me up is like Besides my mother, right. like my closest friends in the world have just started having babies. Right. So they have like one year olds. So you're kind of the person for them. Right. I am. But then I'm also yeah. like, I don't know. I need help. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, don't trust don't, me. Don't, don't trust me. I'm literally winging it. But, uh, but you know, I do. I and My point being, I just think that your core group of mom friends absolutely is constantly developing. And and you asked in the beginning before Especially we Especially with school, before, right? Before, before, yes, yeah. absolutely. But you asked how we started mom brain. And it was partly because... I think similarly for you, it is, it was hard for me to make mom friends. It still is. And it's hard for me to find my people. And I think even when we first met, Alari and I started talking immediately, you find those people and you go deep right away. Right. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah. this feels good. This is like, yeah, we also are different in terms of it's how not, we approach things. Say, well, yeah. that also, but just the, our circumstances that our kids are almost all the same age. Right. And it's really rare. <laughs> How really many kids do you each have? We each four. have four. And they're wow. literally like all exactly And they're the all exception. No twins, like four, no, yeah, pregnancies. four, four okay. pregnancies. My closest are 14 and a half months. Your first wow. two are really 20. close. They're both 20. Yeah, they're, 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 they're pretty yeah. close to you. Do you guys come from big? No, I have one. She does. She does. I, I want to, I'm, she wants 12. Kids. I want, no, I say seven, <laughs> you so know, you be still reasonable. Would, you still would keep going? I, I'll say, I'll say this. I feel like, so my youngest is almost six months. She'll be six months on Valentine's Day. Oh my Day. God, you have a baby. She's a baby girl, <gasps> baby girl, Gigi. Oh um, and I think that, first of all, she's, she's just a knockwood. She's like a great baby. She's and she's just she's really, so she's very, I feel like she's the like more you dog. have, the better, like they are as babies. May, I think maybe it's that, or maybe the better you are as, as like, a mom. Less neurotic yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I will say that I'm feel I feel really content right now. I feel like I am maxed out in terms of right. what my brain can right. handle right now. But I also think I probably always feel like that at six months. And then they get a little bit older, a little bit more self-sufficient and you go back into it. And you're like, but I want one more. And this was the, the first time in my life last weekend, my son, I only have, I, not only, but I have one boy. Right. And he said, he was like, mommy, when I'm older, I will have baby brother and then I will get to feed him. Oh, 
like, yes, that is all you do. But I can do what I've done, which is because I have one girl and three boys. Oh, my God. I know, I know it's crazy, but they're actually like hilarious. They're like little, they call them the three stooges. Oh, it's so like, sweet. But they, um, I just keep on trying to give Carmen a sister. And I just keep on having more boys. So that's what happened. Oh my gosh. But can I ask you guys a question that I feel like a lot of people want to know, and I do too, um, as moms of four, I feel so guilty taking time away from my first. Like I obviously love my second the same way, but there's a connection with your first that like you had that time alone. Mm -hmm. And then like when you keep adding more babies, you feel, do you feel like guilty Taking so read, much more away from read, her, or did, that first. Did you ever read siblings without rivalry? Mm-hmm. No. So yeah. So I've I, I've I haven't read that much of it, but the first couple pages are really great, <laughs> and I then I quote it all the time. Oh God! So the first couple pages, it talks about like. Say you really like your husband. Like you you do. Yeah, you yes, guys like, you yes. really like your husband. Say, say you, you like Say, say, you say, say, say you're kind of into him. Let's <laughs> you really like your husband. Okay. So, and then you're like, I love you so much. I'm going to get another one of you. And then I'll have two of you and it's going to be fantastic. That's what they say. It feels like for the first, the first right. child. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Get, I know it feels horrible. <laughs> My husband would be so upset. Exactly. So upset. So Polygamy upset. is not happening. Like that's basically what they're saying that Ruby would feel when Esme is born. This is what I have to say. I feel like one to two is really, really, really hard because you do feel that, and it's the first time that you have to multitask that extreme right. amount of love that you could have never possibly imagined. I mean, Between you may, maybe imagine, but not really understand right. until you had a kid. And now all of a sudden it's in two places. Once you go for a third, you already know how to do that multitasking of your love. So it gets easier. And so it gets easier. And then you, I mean, I see your girls on Instagram. They're so cute together. And that's so And you have your sisters. Like you just, it's, there's no deeper bond than that of siblings, I believe, in terms of like you are blood, you're the same blood. And you grew up with very similar, if not the same circumstances. I mean, that's my favorite thing in the world is seeing their relationships develop. Like I don't think there's any feeling better than that. Exactly. That's worth it to me. Like your little date time. Like I do dates like, with my kids. Right. Oh, separately. That's, separately. Yeah. I have they have to, to do all that. Be, they have to all be only children. Uh-huh. And that, especially for Esme. Yeah. She has to know the experience of, of being alone with me. Being alone with you. I have to do that more. That will make you feel much better. I, yeah. I find like when I get those moments, either it's been like a long work week and I feel like I'm cramming all my time with them into shorter hours. When I take the time to be alone with them it, individually and we have this little date night and it can be it can be 20 minutes of just like playing alone with them or it could be a, with my older especially we can do and, and John yeah. my son we do like actual dates and it's really fun and it's special for you because you will feel you will see how complete they are you will see how nurtured they are and it will it will I, for me it mitigates some right. of the anxiety and the fear that I have that like they're not each getting enough of me. Right. But the I do exactly what Alari was saying, where the counterweight is whatever I'm taking away from you by not being only mother to you, I'm giving you in spades with a right. sibling that will, right. you know, fill you up in right. other ways. And I do think, I mean, I do come from a big family. So my like my happiest memories in the world are what are you? The Oldest? I'm the oldest of four, but my okay. mom having when she was 22 and she is six, she's one of six. So I'm kind of like my grandparents' seventh baby right, and my right. uncle's only eight years older than right, I'm, so right, like, right. I'm always in this crowd of right. people. And for me, there's nothing better than holidays where there's I mean, screaming and chaos and like crazy. A full it's house is the most amazing the thing greatest ever. Thing. I think it was just, I think it's hard in the beginning. And then so once hard. the older one understands yeah. what they're 
getting in that relationship. And they can actually interact. Like yeah. I think if your youngest is now starting to talk yeah. a little bit and like give now back, they're so happy. now they're happy. Yeah. But I will say we had someone on the on the podcast a couple months ago um, who said, you know, she thought she knew she could be a great mom to one. Sarah, great right? uh, Sarah. Great mom to one. Great mom to two. She thought she could be a great mom to three. She's pregnant with her third. And she time. didn't know if she could be a great mom beyond be the mom that she wanted to right. be beyond that. And so and it got it really got me thinking. I think I was pregnant with Gigi or maybe I just had her. And I um it really got me thinking about like, A, first of all, we all, going back to our first conversation, like we all have to be the mother we want to be. And that is like the double-edged sword of comparing your motherhood to so many right. other people right. is on the one hand, you get great advice and you get great ideas and you see like novel, cool things that you could be doing. But on the other, sometimes it clouds like, who do I want to be as a mother? What kind? So, you know, I, I, I do, I do, I'm really excited and, and, happy about the projects I get to take on, which is why I take them up. But I understand there are only 24 hours in the day and those necessarily take me away from my kids, which make me really sad. And it was killing me because I was constantly unhappy. I was, I was miserable when I was at work worrying I was taking time away from my kids. I was, I was nervous when I was with my kids worrying I was missing opportunities at work. And I had to stop and tell myself that I was stealing my own joy and that I had to acknowledge that if I was making this choice, it was because something about it was making me deeply happy at my core and that that would feed my kids. That would make you the best mother. Completely. And I I just like, I keep repeating that mantra to myself. Well, it was I that, do that was the other the really great piece of advice was Alexa Von Tobel that we've, I'm sorry, guys. I know we like quote it all the time, but we always need to <laughs> it hear bears it. bears repeating. Is <laughs> that, you know, because I would do this thing. Like I just dropped my kids off at school right before this. And my three kids go to the same, my three older kids go to the same school. My little one is obviously not in school. And my boys are like just flip out. I try actually not to do drop off because when right. I say goodbye to them at home and I'll go do drop off. They freak out. I say goodbye to them at home and it's fine. Right. They're like so excited. I'm there in the classroom and it's tears and it's clinging and right. it's, yeah. It, all it three of them the are same. like that? No, my my daughter's in first grade and she's like, bye. Yeah. And she's like all about but like, you boys. know, it's the boys. Well, but she was like that at that age. Right. So I think it's more the age. Right. So my four and my three-year-old, they, they really, really had a hard time with it. And what I used to do in the past is like, yeah, I don't want to go either, but I have to go to work. I know. I wish we should, we could be together all day. And I would do that whole thing. And Alexa Von Tobel told us, she said, don't do that. She said, what you need to do is you need to say, guess what? I get to go to work today and I love my job and I'm going to learn all these really cool things. and I'm going to talk to really cool people. And then you're going to do all these cool things in school and you're going to learn and you're going to sing and you're going to have snacks and all this wonderful stuff. Then we're going to meet at the end and you get to tell me all about what you did. And I'll tell you all about what I did. I love that. It's so good. And I have to tell you something. My kids tell me about their day. They, they used to do that thing of like, how was your day? Fine. Yeah. I didn't do anything like that kind of thing. And now they're like, I did this mommy and I did this and I did this. It's kind of like through our day, we're both going to be like collecting different stories and then we get to share them. I love that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm going to start doing that. My daughter says, fine. (laughs) Fine. It's good. I'm like, what do you mean it was good? I think some kids are born with that, like just extra level of sass though. Because I do feel like I can encourage Philomena to absorb all the little nuggets of joy to bring. And it will still take a couple like, it was all right. Yeah. She, was she, like, she's a, she's a judge first, like thank later kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so funny. She's so sweet too. Um, what's your favorite thing? So on the show, we talk about our favorite things. What we're into right now? What are you into? I mean, I guess my personal 
favorite thing right now is this mask that I've been using. I'm so not going to say the name right. Mm-hmm. Um, by Logique Regere. Oh, yes. Yeah. The VIP O2 mask. Okay. So during fashion week, since I get like my makeup done a lot, I do this mask every single night because it rehydrates and mm-hmm. rejuvenates your skin. So that's a product that I'm loving right now. Um, for the kids, there's this. I don't know who makes it, but there's this car- this game that we've been playing every single night where you put together the letter of the alphabet with like the actual thing, and it's is it the, it's it's like a puzzle? Yeah, it's like a Melissa and Doug I yes. think puzzle. We yes. have it. It's like two pieces two that pieces, go to the like J is jelly yeah, beans. Exactly. Yes, I have love <laughs> that. We play it every night, <gasps> every night before bed. Even though Esme has no clue what we're doing. That she it's still so participates. Yeah, no, it's fun. Thank you so much. Oh my god! Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mom, play. All right, guys. That was Ariel Charnas. Um, you know what? I I loved what you were talking about before this um, episode, Daphne. I love that you were talking about how um, you know the reason that we started this podcast was just to bring a ton of different ideas. And one of the things that really struck me in this particular episode is that we don't have it all figured out. And I think that that's one of the things as we're looking on at other people's social media, we're like, oh, this person has it all together. And I feel like I don't. And I think when we really get these raw moments of sort of showing this is our path and this is our struggle and I don't know yet where that's going to land. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, let me tell you how to fix this, this, and this. Because obviously we all have things that we get and stuff that we're still kind of searching for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I love that this is really an example of the realness of what it's like to be a human, but also to be a mother. I do think before I became a parent, um, like I think I was pregnant with Philomena and my dad had said to me that, that stress was the most dangerous thing for a parent. And I think, I mean, you even just listening to Ariel's story about, about you know, motherhood onset IBS, like that is not something that I've ever heard talked about before. And I really believe it to be so, so such an accurate reflection of how your gut and the health of your of your gut determines your mood and how that there's a whole feedback loop. I, I think really, um, you know, the, the stress component is one of the things we can control. Uh, in terms of letting your mind run away with you and letting your feedback loop feed feed you the wrong things. Um, and I, I thought it was really wonderful that she shared from that experience and powerful and empowering to know that like you, A, you're not alone in that experience. B, um, you know, I, I think that you said it best, like your trauma is not someone else's trauma. So many people have experienced things that are way beyond what you've experienced or way less than you've experienced and it affects them differently. And I think, um, you know, I think we, I do, I do think we have to be gentler and more patient with each other and with ourselves. Um, and now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things. So my favorite thing today is a hairbrush um, that I love to blow my hair out with. It's called an Ibiza or Ibiza. I'm sorry, Ibiza. a what? I said an Ibiza. <laughs> it is made in Spain. An Ibiza hairbrush. Um, and you can get it on Amazon. I thought you're not Amazon. supposed to brush your hair in Ibiza. I thought you should like uh, let it all go. Like, like, well, you know. that's what it can do. It is like just that like if you were to use a hairbrush in Ibiza. <laughs> 
<laughs> amongst all the partying and everything else, then this is the hairbrush that you would use. No, but it's really great. A lot of um, hair pros that this, this is the brush that they use. Um, it's a round brush, um, and I love it for my for my blowouts because you know what, blowouts are really hard. And I am so proud of myself that I have learned over the years how to blow out my hair. Um, but I, it's you need to have the right tools, and so it's a little bit of a pricier brush. I think it it ranges depending on the brush between like twenty and fifty bucks, um, which is an expensive hairbrush, but it lasts a really long time, and it will just give you a nicer blowout. I'm finding so that is my suggestion. I love that. Um, There's this new book that I got um, by an author named Jill Stam called Bright from the Start, The Simple Science-Backed Way to Nurture Your Child's Developing Mind from Birth to Age Three. So I I picked this book up and I'm only like two chapters into it. It's written by this Jill is like an amazing researcher in the field of child early childhood development. And she comes at it from part of what I love about it. She comes at it from the perspective of both a researcher with real science-based evidence, but also as a mother of two daughters, one of whom was born like extremely prematurely in the seventies. So it was, it was a miracle that she survived. And obviously as a result of, of um, her birth experience, she had major learning disabilities along the way. And, and Jill, by virtue of her training, but also just her like insane dedication as a mother brought her so far along. And then she has another daughter, right. You know, a couple of years later, um, who is, you know, uh, bless you. (laughs) And and, and another daughter, a couple of years later, who did what didn't, you know, didn't have these same challenges. And in any case, so she, she shows and she talks about the ways that, um, early childhood brains can be stimulated in the best way possible and answers these age old questions of like, should you be piping in classical music you know, while you're, you know, while that you're feeding them at, you know, from six months on and, um, and, you know, can you do things to boost their IQ? What, what does sign language actually do? But, but, you know, those are all sort of like the top line things way more interestingly to me. She talks about the she calls them the ABCs attention bonding and communication and those are like the three things in her mind and in her research that are actually the most effective strategies not only for bonding with your baby but also for a- ensuring that they develop not only hitting their milestones and like doing all these important things but but that they develop into the best functioning humans they possibly can be and I think it's so powerful because I think a lot of us in this day and age are distracted and we get lots of advice and sometimes confounding advice from different places about like how to stimulate your baby properly and how to connect with them and how to talk to them and how to like help them and her advice I found because she's a parent first is just so practical for people who really just want to make sure their babies are are happy and well taken care of and um, anyway I found it like a really readable resource and really tons of great information. And um, anyway, I feel like nerding out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, subscribe, play around, send us email, wipe up on Instagram, email mombrainpod at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. This is Mombrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mombrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.